Welcome to Pod Sing Say, an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast. I'm your host, Jen, joined by my co-hosts, Abby, Steph, and Nicole. Every week, we'll be re-watching an episode of Avatar and discussing it here. This week, we'll be discussing Book 1, Episode 4, The Warriors of Kiyoshi. Looking for a short break from their travels, Aang brings the gang to the Earth Kingdom's Kiyoshi Island, where he seeks to ride Elephant Koi, large fish who inhabit the surrounding waters. However, the group are captured by the Kiyoshi Warriors, a group of warriors consisting entirely of girls who protect the island. But they're freed when Aang proves he is the Avatar, and Aang quickly gains reverence among the island's inhabitants. But his popularity, especially among the girls, soon goes to his head, creating a rift between him and Katara. Meanwhile, Sokka is embarrassed after being bested by girls in combat training and strives to prove himself stronger than the Kiyoshi Warriors. When he suffers further embarrassments, he swallows his pride and respectfully asks to be trained by their leader, Suki, who cheerfully agrees. Aang's desire for popularity soon puts himself and Katara at risk when he tries to ride a Nunagi sea serpent, as well as the whole island when Zuko gets word of his location. Zuko acts, but Aang, Katara, and Sokka all manage to escape before the entire island is decimated in the Fire Nation attack. Aang uses the Unagi to extinguish the fires caused by the Fire Nation attack. Okay, so, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely didn't remember this episode being the fourth episode. I felt like it was later than it had to be. Also, because I was kind of annoyed at Aang because he was such a pain in the ass this whole episode. I was so disappointed in him. (laughs) I don't know if anybody else felt like that. I mean, why were you disappointed? He's 12 years old. And I think that that's the nature of being 12 years old. I (laughs) know. That's fair. (laughs) He was so mature last episode. It was a good mix of him being a kid, but also mature. I mean, he admitted it at the end that it went to his head, but I was just like, Aang, (laughs) you're disappointing Katara. I did write down, oh, he really is just a 12-year-old boy. Yeah. I mean, I was disappointed in him because I was like, what are you even doing? But not surprised. (laughs) But not surprised. I guess I forgot too that this episode was only the fourth episode, Mm -hmm. but I was kind of pleasantly surprised that they Mm -hmm. dealt with Sokka's sexism so quickly. Yeah. That they didn't let it drag on and have it be like a whole season thing to just have to hear him say dumb shit to Katara all the time. No, that's true. Miko and I made that joke. We were watching, we were like, sexism cured! That was a bit tongue-in-cheek, but sincerely, though, it's good they addressed that character flaw. You know, they do have that tendency where a big problem gets resolved in an episode. Mm -hmm. And I feel, you know, Sokka's still a flawed character throughout this. They all are flawed characters, but it was nice to not make that the bulk of his personality for the rest of the series. Yeah. Yes. And I think it was a good opportunity to show that he's not just mean to Katara about her gender, so they needed an opportunity to be like, no, he's (laughs) just generally sexist. Yeah, that's true. It's not just a sibling thing. Yeah, because that's a very big piece I think that I didn't think about until you brought that up just now um I agree I I feel like because the Kyoshi Warriors they appear a lot later on that I didn't realize how early they were introduced Mm -hmm. either so I too was confused nothing really happens it's just like oh you're a girl how can you beat me up it's like what's wrong with being a girl it's a very obvious dialogue that I personally didn't like yeah so I was not super into this episode it's screamed filler and I hate that and I'm not looking (laughs) forward to watching the fillers with you guys I think it's gonna be a running theme for me Uh, that's my two cents generally how I feel right now about it oh my gosh I do think it was important it was good for them to get this episode off as early as they did like you said obviously get Sokka off his bullshit really quickly just in general it teaches all of them but really it teaches Aang and Sokka a little bit of things like Aang besides 
sort of introducing his little seal puppy crush on Katara. Mm -hmm. It's also him really getting more hit in the face with the realities of the whole, you're the avatar and this is a dangerous thing to be. It's dangerous for the people Mm -hmm. around you. You can't afford to really just goof off because Zuko's gonna come and burn down any village that helps you. Yeah, there's like actual consequences. Mm -hmm. And Sokka, besides obviously all the sexism, I also think that this episode dealt a little bit with his inflated ego. Like you mentioned at the end of the second episode of Avatar. Yeah, his completely unwarranted ego. Yeah. Yeah. He has this very like, I'm the greatest warrior in my village. I'll be totally fine. I will totally love going out and busting some firebender heads. So this episode was good for also him to kind of get that memo like you have so much to learn and you can't afford to just be cruising about like everything's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not lying about being the best warrior in his village. Okay, by default. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Technically true. <laughs> Technically true because everybody else is actually being warriors. Yes. Oh. oh my gosh. It was also cool because it made me realize too, because I know Sokka has a couple different martial arts teachers throughout the series, but it was interesting realizing that the foundation of his ability is taught to him by women. Yeah. It was theoretically a martial art developed by women. It's like a nice unintentional character thing. Mm-hmm. Also with that too, this is the first time that we see non-benders actually be able to put up any kind of a fight against benders. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is not as thorough as future battles that we see, but we did see several of the Kyoshi warriors. They never even explicitly stated that they weren't benders, but obviously they didn't bend at all during Mm -hmm. this. So like we still haven't seen earthbenders at all yet in the show. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember off the top of my head, but did they announce that they're officially in the Earth Nation right now? Is that assumed? No. Okay. So that was not explicitly stated. They did not officially announce it. They showed their little map very briefly. Mm, Okay. Yeah, they mentioned that their specific island was not part of the war yet, but you don't really know what that even means. Yeah. And I feel like if you're rewatching, you can surmise like, oh, well, obviously it's not air. They're not water yet. And then all that's left is earth. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's still not explicit. I thought it was interesting that they wear blue. Yeah. I mean, we'll hear more about how that island is yeah. in later episode, but they're like separated from mm-hmm. the rest of the Earth Kingdom. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there could be any trade or anything going on, because on that little map... Oh my god, that's where they get the wood! In the... Sorry! (laughs) 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 Yes, that could be... (laughs) I was just gonna say that on the map, it does show they're still very much in the southern area of the world. I actually Mm -hmm. paused the episode and I went back to the world map at the beginning in the introduction to compare their tiny little map that Zuko and Sokka are both holding to figure out where they were. Mm -hmm. So they are very much in the south practically right next to the Southern Water Tribe still. Mm -hmm. And we do see also in a very nearby episode, I think, somewhere in season one, Sokka and Katara go somewhere and they pay for something and the guy's like, oh, Water Tribe money. So Mm -hmm. I assume that there's at least some sort of crossing between their countries. So... Who knows? Maybe they have some Water Tribe influence in their clothing on Kyoshi. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Could be. I feel like the whole show does a lot of mixing of cultural inspirations, but this island's very much like Japanese Mm. inspired. Yeah, like the dojo that the warriors fight in was Mm -hmm. very Japanese style. But then the houses, well, yeah, that kind of looks like rural homes in the mountain in Japan. Okay. 
I didn't notice it on my own, but I was looking stuff up about the island and I saw someone online had said their clothing is Ainu inspired. Mm. Once I heard that, I was like, oh yeah, it is. Like if you look at pictures side by side, you can see it. Yeah. Pattern wise, yeah. the silhouettes mm. and the headbands, the Kyoshi warriors too, like their outfits are very like samurai. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Because yeah. then the Ainu, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're the indigenous people from Northern Japan, right? In yeah. Hokkaido. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because we're not going to not explain some stuff again. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Got to give the context clues. Yes. I just thought it was interesting that the Earth Nation in general is China. Yeah, Earth Kingdom mm-hmm. is very Chinese inspired. Mm-hmm. But Toph's outfit, her dress, this is completely it's very jumping Korean. ahead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So just Asian in general. Well, I guess the Fire Nation armor isn't as samurai-esque as the Kiyoshi warrior armor. The Fire Nation, even though what they're doing seems very like Japan. Yeah, like imperialist. Yeah. Yeah. But visually, it's more like Thailand. Oh, and yeah. um, I don't remember the other country that people mm-hmm. have said, have but cited. it's yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just think it's really interesting that the show mixes so many different cultures, mm-hmm. even within one nation. Yeah, even with the Kyoshi Warriors, their actual fighting style, that like using the opponent's force against them. It was funny because Miko immediately was like, oh, that's like Tai Chi. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, no, because water bending is Tai Chi. For me, it reminded me of Aikido, which you use pressure points against your opponents. So that was where I was thinking. Oh, Miko saying jujitsu. But yeah, I don't know enough about them like to be able to pick it out. I'm sure someone online has. But even then, it would make sense that Kiyoshi Warriors would have their own style even independently from the Earth Kingdom as well because they are their own de facto or defunct. I don't even know the right word. You know, they operate outside of the Earth Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something I noted down when she said that it was about using the force against them, I jotted down something like Aang, question mark, because he has his whole airbender avoidance Mm -hmm. kind of deal. But it occurs to me that this is supposedly based off of Avatar Kyoshi, who obviously Mm -hmm. could bend all the elements, and she has her main weapon as fans, which Aang does use to affect in this episode. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if Avatar Kyoshi's style with her fans drew from airbending a little bit, and then they Mm -hmm. distilled it down Mm -hmm. to what it became oh that'd be cool it would make sense that the avatars would accidentally develop their own unique style having to learn basically four different styles so that that's cool that the kiyoshi warriors might just have avatar martial art is their mode of practice hmm there's some layers here, guys. <laughs> and this is why they're such good warriors, because you have to draw from all four nations. <laughs> True that. Oh, man. I appreciated that the Kyoshi warrior who knocked Zuko off of his rhino was not a named character. Yeah. They didn't give that to Zaka or to Suki. They just let somebody else knock yeah. him down. No, that was nice. It was also interesting because, Nicole, when you mentioned Aang using the fans for that attack, the camera lingered on him for a while and he had this kind of guilty face. And it was interesting because I guess this is the first time, again, him realizing that he was responsible for all of this destruction. You have literally a row of wooden houses and some fire. Of course, everything got a little bit messed up. But yeah, I feel like it was more guilt because mm. he immediately then flies up and looks over yeah. everything. This is also the episode we get the foaming mouth guy. Oh, yeah, that was his first appearance. <laughs> a fun thing I learned about that shot is a really good example. Um, in our first episode where we talked about the pilot, I mentioned that for this show, they try to do more of a, a collaboration with the production company, like the animation studios abroad that actually animated it and the studios in the US that storyboarded and did some of the key posing for the animation. This was a good example of a shot where they kind of gave them like a vague, oh, there's a crowd 
loud and they're excited. And then some animator, bless their heart, just went and kicked it up to 100 and they made Foaming Mouth Guy. And one of the directors on Twitter was saying how they got it back and they were like, this isn't what I expected, but this is amazing. (laughs) So that's just some animator was just like, I'm going to do this and we're all better for it. And I hope that's Cabbage Man as well, but I have to look into him little stuff like that that makes me excited because that is like a super anime-y thing I mean Aang when he was riding the elephant koi and then when the Unagi attacked his face was so ridiculous yeah, for so much of those scenes running on the water right mm-hmm. this is very out of place yeah. with the previous animation yeah. we've seen of him I don't know how to how we're gonna phrase it but it was very different I noticed that too yeah I feel like you don't even really see it that much again after this episode I feel like the first season is really weird about mm-hmm. a lot of the choices they yeah. make in terms of design yeah that's fair they're Mm. trying to figure it out i guess just like all of us yeah Oh my gosh. I kept my word, guys. After last week's recording, I said I would pay more attention to the animals. So we did run into two new animals and I decided to kind of do some research. I looked at the fan wiki and there were some facts from, I don't know if you guys had watched Avatar Extras. Yeah. Like a long time ago. I'm sure the three of you actually know what that is, but I've pulled some animal facts for you guys to know. So. (laughs) Oh wait, those were the pop-up facts episodes. Yes, Okay. Yeah. To describe it, I'm pulling description from the wiki. Avatar Extras was an event hosted by Nickelodeon in which episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender were shown along with a series of pop-up extras in the form of on-screen text bubbles which gave facts and humorous Mm. comments. Some of these are kind of corny but I found them pretty funny so. Yes. Um, Momo antics in the writing room were called Mo Moments. Get the hell out of here. (laughs) We're going to have to now reference if we ever bring up Momo we're just like guys I found this great Mo moment in the episode today. We did have a great one in this one today. <laughs> what moment? Mo moment is not great though. That's fair. That's fair. So now we have to use the writer terminology. It's officially a mo moment moving forward. No, no. Yes. Something about the elephant koi, the biggest herbivores in Kyoshi Bay, and they can leap more than 20 feet into the air. The Kyoshi Unagi has glands that it uses to blast water at its prey. It also has tendrils for its prey to swing on, and it has 16 pairs of teeth. So we definitely saw that when Aang used the Unagi to put out the fires that he eventually brought to Kyoshi Island. He could have used yes. the Unagi to destroy the firebender's boats, but that's that's fine too. And then the Komodo rhinos. Were, <laughs> Komodo rhinos, they were the first domesticated by the Fire Nation in the Fozel dynasty. So those are my animal facts. Oh, for... wait, Komodo? Because I couldn't tell what other half animal they were. Yeah, it's a Komodo dragon and rhino combo. What the hell? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I can't tell what the other animal is. Yeah. I think they called them rhino something, or maybe I missed it. I probably Did just missed it. Fire I think rhinos? it just said rhinos. Yeah. Or mobilize yeah. the rhinos. I don't know. Like I think it was like, prepare the rhinos. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, those things just live on the bottom of this ship. That's so unpleasant. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. That means there's like stables at the basement of the ship. It's true. That Aang was beating up, you yeah. know? That's sad. Yeah. yeah. Those rhinos have a really sad life. I also was like, what happened to the rest of them? Because at the end of the yes, episode- Yes, there's only one! There's only the one! I bet you the other ones, once their rider got knocked off, they were like, I'm out. <laughs> yes, there's just like a herd of these now on Kiyoshi Island destroying the ecosystem. Oh man. Oh, You're not gosh. getting me back on that boat. That's no. so funny. I'm glad there was a fun fact about the freaking Unagi's glance. Because that's so specific. <laughs> 
Pacific, first of all. But second of all, Nico actually did ask me today, like he was like, is it a waterbender? And I was like, no, water is the only element that there's not like an animal that's the bender. Yeah. You know, if there's the badger mole for earth and the dragons for fire and the flying bison for air, but water, it's actually learned from watching the moon. And then he's like, oh yeah, the koi fish, you know, in the future. Cause he was like, oh, is it a waterbender? And I was like, I don't think so. Now I can be like, Miko, it was their glands on the sides of their head. <laughs> How did Aang know that this was going to work? Yeah. He just knows. It's his inherent... He's the avatar. Just... Things just work out for him. Yeah. That's true. I was going to make a vegan joke, but I was just like, let's leave it. <laughs> Oh, man. Speaking of waterbending. Yes. I was impressed by Katara today, this episode rather, because they show her when she's not busy being the adult. You mean being a girl and sewing pants? (laughs) No, I meant being responsible, but that too. (laughs) She's the adult this entire episode. She's getting groceries. She's reminding them that they have responsibilities. But I noticed her when she's not doing that stuff, we actually see her practicing her waterbending in her free time. Yeah. She's sitting there with her bowl. She's working on this. Aang is goofing around. He's trying to get her attention and she's just focusing on what she's doing, trying to practice. Really, we see her working on her waterbending a lot throughout the series. So I was like, wow, she's one of those genius of hard work kind of deal where Aang has Mm -hmm. a advantage by being the avatar. He's sort of a natural at all Mm -hmm. bending and Katara just works really hard at it to become amazing. Yeah. Well, I feel like with Aang too, I'm sure it's like once you can do one, it's probably that much easier where it's like she doesn't even have any foundations. Mm-hmm. Aang, it's such like a muscle memory thing at this point for him. Mm. That doesn't like dispute what I you said. I feel like that's true to an extent, although it probably does also work against him in some ways when he's learning. Yeah, well, that's like earthbending. So. Yeah, because he definitely like struggles with earthbending. You know what I found crazy? And firebending. On the same line of waterbending. Tara knew to waterbend the water out of Aang's lungs. Yeah. And she just like yeah. randomly knew that, that, I wrote that, that you can do. This is extremely convenient. I felt like I was super annoyed at that. Oh yeah, we're going to solve sexism and then we're going to... Save the Avatar's life by like conveniently somehow this novice knowing that she can water bend the shit out of Avatar's lungs. So happy with this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're so salty this episode. <laughs> I really am. I have some feelings, guys. <laughs> I thought about that too, because I know there's a future episode where she uses healing water bending for the first time. And then even later, we learn that that's usually a bending art that's reserved just for women. And then that's the whole argument about sexism again mm-hmm. in the water tribe, mm-hmm. lol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually bumped on that too. I guess this is a moment where she's technically using healing water bending. It's less healing. It's not like the glowy healing that we see so much just like using it in a healing way. But I was also like, this seems like something that's more advanced and delicate than what she would know how to do. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if I would trust her. (laughs) Yeah. Take water out of his lungs. Yeah. When she first uses the glowing healing bending, there's kind of an implication that she has a natural affinity to it and she doesn't necessarily know what she's doing. But this didn't feel like that. This just felt convenient or it was just a cool way to show that she has been working on those moves and stuff. Yeah. It did seem like it was pretty much the same type of bending as we saw her doing with the bowl of water earlier in the episode. Yeah. Same lifting motion, pulling the water up and around. And then she does pretty much the exact same thing with the water in Aang's lungs. They definitely like set it up well in that way. I think we're just sitting here like, yeah, but that'd be much difficult in a stomach. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, where I guess it was in his lungs. And that's the thing. Like, you don't know where the water is. And how do you know you're moving just the water? <laughs> She's like accidentally bloodbending him and like kills him. (laughs) That is what I was concerned about. (laughs) Worked out because it's a cartoon. And then no one acknowledged it. Nope. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Well, no one saw it except Katara. If I were her, I'd be like, you should be grateful. <laughs> oh my god. I just saved your life. I'd just be like, wow, really glad that worked and you're not dead. I wouldn't trust myself <laughs> to do that. Like, no. Who else was there? Let him drown or try and let him die anyway, you know. No, you act like we don't have life-saving techniques when somebody has water in their lungs that does not require Benny to call. <laughs> we don't know what their world is like. We don't know if Katara knows shit. <laughs> oh my god, we absolutely know that the people of Kiyoshi Island have that because they live by a bay. If you're drowning, there's no yes. waterbenders around where they can just hail some EM waterbender like they definitely have <laughs> systems in place there's no waterbending lifeguards <laughs> yes right you would definitely have known what to do <laughs> oh man i just want to say i was also disappointed in katara not that we were just talking about being disappointed in her but i was like why are you apologizing to ang you were a hundred percent justified in being annoyed with him because he yeah. would be a little shit the whole episode girl don't apologize it's all his fault i agree because it's not even like there was a problem with him hanging out with the girls that lived on the island the problem was that they needed to leave and they should have only really done that for a day and he mm -hmm. refused it Obviously, like, she was a little jealous, but she won't admit it, but was more like, hey, we could do this, but for, like, a day and a half, then we gotta leave. And he's like, nope. Oh, that's what you get, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Not to blame them for being chased by somebody, but. No. It's kind of good that they stuck around, though, because if they mm -hmm. had left when she wanted, Zuko would have just shown up. They probably still would have set everything on fire, though, because they did that without knowing he was actually there. No, I thought they saw mm -mm. him no because they knew he was there but they yeah. knew he was there even before katara was like let's yeah. get out of here oh i guess they attacked because of the kiyoshi warriors attacked yeah. yeah and so it would have played out the same way though i guess they could have handled themselves yeah i mean the news traveled to zuko so fast that i feel like if they left it would oh, travel yeah. as fast just the same but you never know all i yeah. know is yeah shit ended up burned down it is ang's fault even though he sprayed Probably the mucus from the glands of the Unagi, which is nasty. And then the old man at the end said, thank you, Avatar. You shouldn't be thanking him. Your entire village is burned down, but it's fine. I was a little confused about that, too. Everybody is saying the wrong thing in these situations. <laughs> Katara, you do not have to apologize. Sokka, for once, you are doing the right thing and apologizing. Although I got mad at his apology because he was like, I'm sorry if I upset you. And I was like, that's not how you apologize. It's like those like, I'm sorry if you were offended. Exactly. It was that wavelength where I was just like, Sokka, we are beyond that and you should know better. <laughs> but also you don't know better. Saying this, acknowledging that I'm being myself. And he still didn't really get it. No. Even to the very end of the episode, because he was like, I treated you like a girl. I should have treated you like a warrior. And yeah. he still had to be like, I am both things. Yes. They are not mutually exclusive. Exactly. Like he didn't so get feminism it. is not intersectional. <laughs> no. I guess baby steps. Speaking on the way. of people doing things wrong and making me laugh, uh Zuko attempting to meditate. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't lying when he said he meditates. Uh, but how well did that actually go, Stephanie? Oh horrible. <laughs> Yeah, I noticed this was the first episode that we opened on Team Zuko, and he was meditating. Yeah. Which made me laugh, admittedly. That's my first note, actually meditates? That's so funny. <laughs> I feel like I assumed that it was right when he just sat down ready to meditate, and then Uncle opened the door, and then he's like, fucking goddammit, yeah. I'm trying to meditate. <laughs> and then he was too upset to meditate after the news of the Avatar. <laughs> 
that's how I envisioned it. Because like, we don't know what happened before. Because that's always how it happens, right? Like you think you're about to do something and then your parent figure yes. just has the intuition to knock on your door. <laughs> that's how I viewed it. No, that. that's very accurate. That's probably what actually happened. 100% true. So technically, he's never actually meditated because he always gets interrupted because uncle intuitively knows that it's just a a lost cause to have him even try. He's just like, let's not kid ourselves here. That's so true. But what did uncle say to him? Uncle was so sassy as usual. where He's just like, open a window. It's stuffy in here. And I'm like, you're in a submarine, basically. You're not underwater, but you are in like a windowless metal labyrinth, apparently with some stables down there as well. (laughs) He always has to have the last word. <laughs> yeah. Something yeah. that upset Miko. Sorry, I keep bringing up his opinion. It was just funny because when Zuko angrily took the fish dish away from Uncle later in the episode, mm. Miko was just like, see, you could tell a Western person storyboarded this scene because he's like, if this was an actual like Chinese family or an Asian family, that fish is family style. So Zuko was an asshole and he just stole the whole dish when Uncle deserves half of that fish. Yeah. And he's just like, Uncle had his own little rice and Zuko had his own little rice and he just stole the entire family style fish. I thought of that too. There was only one fish, which means yeah. it was for both of them. Yes, and he just stole and it. He just took the whole thing. He did. Though I have to say that's one of my favorite Zuko lines ever. Yeah. Like, I was gonna save it for later. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a very character of him though. I wouldn't expect Zuko to think of his uncle in that moment. That's no. very true. He definitely yeah. doesn't yeah. at this point. Not yet, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> no he's just a really intense angry boy yep. at the moment my notes on the fire nation part of this episode were just like zuko continues to be a bitch <laughs> <laughs> nothing is new <laughs> we are all uncle yeah was it just those three scenes? Was it like the meditation and then the fish moment? Mm-hmm. And then it was the confrontation on the island. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind that of That was it. it. He doesn't even get that many lines during the confrontation. He's mostly just fighting. At one point he says, these little girls can't protect you. And I was like, you grew up with the most dangerous little girls <laughs> known to the world. Oh my God, you're so right. That's really true. Especially, and two of them were non-benders even as well. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting here judging these non-benders as far as you know? That's that's why my general summary for this entire episode is boys being dumb and or sexist. <laughs> yeah, because that's so. literally the whole episode. Yeah. Aang. Yeah, Aang's showboating. Yeah. I mean, Sokka, that's his whole shtick at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then Zuko too. I was like, you really had to say that? Yes, he did. And then again, like what you said, yeah. that the nameless one just comes sailing out of nowhere and just knocks him off of his rhino. <laughs> yes. Also the timing of that, by the way, because Sokka sort of saves Suki. Yeah. I appreciate how they then immediately have this nameless girl in turn save both Sokka and Suki from yeah. Zuko. Mm-hmm. They're not just like, oh, Osaka learned for two seconds and now he's the savior. He's still, yeah. mm-hmm. he's just one of their warriors now. Mm-hmm. Also, this is, again, one of those moments where it's like, it's just a cartoon gen. But at the end, he accidentally steals an entire armor set. <laughs> and then we never see it again. And I was just like, how much money and how much time went into crafting? Because she's like, oh, the silk threads of our uniform symbolize this. And each plate was probably individually made and he just fucking steals it. I know it just disappears and it's not a thing, but in my head, I'm like, they fucking ditched it somewhere or they sold it somewhere. What happened to it? (laughs) I never thought about that. In hindsight, it would have been really cool if he incorporated the chest plate into his outfit or something or wore it underneath it. That would be like one of those weird little things. 
But again, I'm not actually faulting them. It's like, obviously, like, he didn't have time to change. There was a little bit to that, too, with Zuko misgendering him with everybody else as he's dressed like the women warriors. Mm -hmm. So that's also something, too, where Aang even made fun of him for wearing a dress. He kept correcting people and getting mad. And then at the end, he's like, ah, fucking forget it. And it's just like, well, yeah, that's how it should have been from the Mm -hmm. start. They could have used that fabric to make him a new pair of pants. That's true. Which I noticed that they did show when he goes to be a jerk to the Kyoshi Warriors and he bends over. You can see the mending on his pants. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, ooh, nice detail. Continuity. Yes. Speaking of continuity, this episode, there's elements of this too that definitely remind me of the pilot. And of course, the Unagi was already Mm -hmm. designed and was in the pilot as well. It was just like thinking about that bay area kind of feels like where the setting had Mm -hmm. been for the pilot almost. Although in contrast, something that does not super work. This is a random detail, but the guy he was talking about, Avatar Kyoshi. Mm -hmm. Avatar Kyoshi was born here 400 years ago. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold up. That math does not check out. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is a random thing that I spent too long on. (laughs) (laughs) Kyoshi was over 200 years old, right? Yeah. Was she? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it does check out. Okay. Yeah, as soon as you said that, I was like, no, she's like 223 or something crazy when she died. But I don't know if they planned for that from the beginning or because they said she was born here 400 (laughs) years ago. They had to be like, you know, she lived to be like 200. So it's all good. Yeah, but Nicole, say what you were going to say anyway. Oh, well, see, now that you have that factoid, this is a little off, but I was like, okay, wait, I'm sure 400 is not the exact amount of years. It was probably 300 something. Yeah. Aang was born 112 years ago. If we take 400, that's 288 years for both Kyoshi and Roku to be born and die which Mm -hmm. averages out to 144 years each. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that seems wrong. (laughs) If Kyoshi was actually 200 something. Yeah. But I guess it works a little bit better. (laughs) She she was 230 years old. Oh, wow. When she died. Yeah, she was the oldest living avatar. I don't think they ever actually explained it. They were just like, she just didn't die. Because <laughs> Roku, he was aged more than she did. He lived an average lifespan, mm-hmm. as far as I, I'm aware. But yeah, that was like a plot point with Kiyoshi. And I know there has been a book series about her, like a two book YA series that came out last year. And the second one comes out this year about her as well. Nice. That I will eventually get to if I can ever go back to my library. Because like she was always such like a badass too. Yeah. Roku was... 70 when he died oh that's not that old no it's kind of sad well i mean it's not like he died of old age <laughs> okay you know what <laughs> <laughs> you're right it wasn't natural causes <laughs> oh my gosh but yeah i'm looking forward to when we get to see more about kyoshi me yeah. too abby i'm curious was there more specific things that you just didn't like about this episode or did you kind of cover everything? I think we did cover everything. I'm looking through my mm-hmm. notes. We have covered everything that annoyed okay. me about this episode. <laughs> okay, that's good. I have two other things that kind of bothered me in this episode, actually. <laughs> One, how did Katara know Zuko's name? Did he introduce himself? I feel like people know I thought their might just be really like high-pitched. global knowledge. Yeah. I guess he's the prince, but did he ever tell them that he was the prince? Would they know what he looks like? No. I mean, he's the prince with a scar on his eye. I guess so. That's true. I guess I was just like, wait, why does she know? Because the ship, and she's like, Zuko. I was like, how do you know? (laughs) (laughs) And 
then similarly, when they get captured and they're like, you're not the Avatar, you're an imposter. And Katara's like, do airbending. And he does. And they're like, oh, you must be the Avatar. You're telling the truth. I'm like, all he did was prove that he was an airbender. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine if there's just a random airbender who happened to like be alive mm-hmm. and then people were like, you're the airbender. That means you must be the Avatar. And they're like, no, please. But I yeah. feel like that Katara used the same logic when she met Aang though. And the same thing with the water tribe. That's true. Yeah, she immediately asked. Yeah, because they're like, airbenders are supposed to be extinct. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That logic doesn't yeah. necessarily make any sense either. Yeah. All he really did was prove that he was an airbender. Mm-hmm. And I guess I get it. I understand why, because they know the Avatar is supposed to be an airbender. Yeah. But how do you know for real, though? Yeah. I mean, I think that also we want to believe that there were more. Again, when they went to the air temple last episode, Katara was just like, we're probably the first non-airbender people to be there. And then obviously the Fire Nation was there. Mm-hmm. I feel like you want to believe that there were air nomads that somehow escaped or got away and then that there aren't any is one of the few closed book sad things about the show Mm-hmm. Even in Korra in the future, it's like, oh, we found more bison. Oh, we found more lemurs. But all the airbenders are still extinct. But even then, they go and they change stuff, which I'm not going to get into. But it is just sad. They all went underground. That'd be ironic. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be, yes. <laughs> I mean, from a very sad perspective, maybe him being an airbender proved he was the Avatar, not because he would have been an air nomad mysteriously, but because all the airbenders are dead. And so if a random Earth Kingdom citizen suddenly manages to do airbending, it's only because they're the Avatar. I feel like there's also an argument, too, that there could have been enough time for a waterbender to have been reborn as the Avatar already, and for them to be a kid, and for them to just know to fucking keep that shit on lock and not tell anybody. Mm-hmm. And then there's just, like, a random waterbender that is the Avatar. But why would you say that when everybody's being exterminated? Yeah. I'm trying to look up if there was anything on the wiki about how they got there for those initial attacks. Yeah. And it doesn't say. It just says they somehow managed. Yeah. Because <laughs> the only other thing I could think is what Nicole was even saying too, where this technique wasn't even developed till later in the show, where it's like some of mm-hmm. the firebenders that are powerful enough can project and propel themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. They had the power of the comet. Maybe they flew themselves Yeah, but like the only person know. who can do that outside of the comet was Azula and Combustion Man. Although, you know, Zuko managed to get to the air temples to study them, and all the air temples have had other people in them. I think Aang, when he was all like, oh, only airbenders can get to an air temple, that was very naive. Yeah. People probably just were really good at hiking and stuff. Maybe this is like Tangled, where like there's a secret back door that she rips away at the end. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. That's probably what it is. There's like a secret passage. No, I'm sure that they had ways for other people to get up. Are you saying that every single air nomad is an airbender? You know? Yeah, that's fair. They probably had mountain paths. No, Nicole, they had secret tunnels. <laughs> secret <laughs> I won't do it. I won't sing it. (laughs) Through the mountain. Secret, 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 secret tunnel. Uh, Abby's just staring at us right now. No, it's me trying to recall where that's from because I'm I Um, know it. It's from this. We will get there. Don't you worry. <laughs> I'm like, where have I heard this? It's like, oh, okay. It's you heard this because we sung it constantly in college. <laughs> okay, okay, good. I need to feel better because I was like, where the hell is this from? Because I, I know her. <laughs> I don't know her. I have it on my computer and I would listen to yeah. it all the time. Like unironically, yeah. Yeah, back when we were in college, I had the whole Avatar, the last Airbender yeah, playlist. They had the whole soundtrack was available. 
Yep. Yeah, but you know, obviously, like you said, Teo and his family got into that entire air temple somehow. Mm-hmm. Zuko, I think we actually see repel into one with ropes at one yeah. point. You know, there are ways. Yeah. All right, we'll just keep tracking it and see what they unveil. Although they don't ever actually answer it, but no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Did we ever talk about Suki at all? Like specifically her? No, not really. Well, I was kind of like, at this point, like, she's more of, like, a means to an end, not to undermine her character. hmm Yeah. I thought it was interesting that I looked online about this episode this week, and people were saying that she really wasn't planned to be brought back at all. Mm-hmm. She was only supposed to be in this episode. Yeah. Which I'm happy that they ended up bringing her back, which they did because she was very popular with fans yeah. and with the staff. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like if they had never brought her back, I would have been like, what the fuck? <laughs> You just had this girl as, like you said, just a means to an end Mm -hmm. to get Sokka to start rethinking his opinions about women. I think it would have really annoyed me if she had never come back again. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy she did. I do like her a lot. She's a badass. I really like her too. But it's like this episode felt like a one and done type of thing. Because even like Mm -hmm. the little kiss at the end was just like, you didn't need to do that. (laughs) He didn't deserve that. I agree with you. Like... So unnecessary. That was just like a YOLO, we're never seeing each other again. You know? You know, I probably didn't feel that way back when I watched this the first time, but I did think that. Why are you kissing him? What has he done to make you think? Literally, he didn't see her as a girl and then she kissed him. She's like, see? Proof. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Yeah. It was so annoying. Speaking of things that annoy me, he's done nothing but scramble <laughs> all over your gender the entire episode, and yet you still give him the satisfaction of almost proving that he's kind of right because you're here still kissing him. Like, mm-hmm. I guess that's all girls are good for. Thanks, patriarchy. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, what did he do? Like, the bare minimum? MVP of the episode. I was trying to think of what he'd done, but then I was like, you know what? I'm not going to give him excuses. Shout out to misogyny! <laughs> Seriously, the real he MVP to knock her of over one time. <laughs> you know what? I'm glad we're getting this all out now. It definitely gets better, you know, because of all this yeah. upfront investment. <laughs> oh my god! That's why I'm happy that this happened so soon. <laughs> Episode four. Let's get it out of the way. Yes, for real. Not that sexism is a big part of this whole season. Yes, for sure. Yeah. But it's annoying when it's one of the main characters where you're like, I want to like you, but you say things that make me so angry. Yeah, I'm glad they recognized that. I'm glad that they saw it as a worthwhile thing to explore with the main character. It wasn't just like they went to an island and they met a really sexist guy. Because arguably that's Jet, but whatever. We're not even going to get there. (laughs) Oh, no. I don't remember this character, but I'm excited to meet him so I can (laughs) shit all over him. Uh, it's just nice because obviously you want to like a character and you want to see them have an actual character arc and grow throughout the series and then Mm -hmm. people are always so afraid to start their characters off with actually great flaws you know it's not just Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. when you're interviewing for a job and they're like what's a bad thing about you and you have to come up with some actually kind of nice thing about yourself where it's like no this is a really not great quality about him Mm -hmm. i tried too hard yeah it's like when you actually like him as a character he earned it that's true yeah i do appreciate that about this show yeah yeah couple first few episodes have been like oh wow like I really don't like Sokka and it was such a contrast because how much we all really like him at the end of the show and it's because mm-hmm. we witnessed his journey and then I mean, that's every character on this show too 
All right. Yeah. Any last things about the episode before we move on to some questions? No. Um, I think I'm good. We don't have to put this in, but I just want to say at the beginning of the episode when they're flying on Appa and Aang is like, Katara, look. And she's like, oh, wow, that's great. And he's like, you're not looking. And then she's like, oh, wow, that's great. And he's like, not doing it anymore. I was like, that's like such a mom. (laughs) (laughs) But I just was like, oh, my God, strong mom energy. That's so true. And that's also the first time we see. I don't know if he does the marble thing any other time in the series. I think he might. But I laugh because they use that image of him with the marbles. There's a version of that with him as an adult in Korra. So that I'm just like, oh, that's the one where they have like the photo of him doing it as an adult. I will say my last good note about this episode was the pastries in that one scene looked so good. That's all. I wanted to eat everything on the table. Also, I wanted to eat the cakes from the last episode as well. But they fucking (laughs) threw them on people. So I never had a chance. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right who is each other's mvp of the episode let's start with nicole um i wrote this down before we talked about it this time was katara because she literally saved egg's life by bending water out of his lungs <laughs> even though we made fun of her for it that is a thing that happened and it was pretty damn important stephanie okay I had a hard time this episode because everybody annoyed me (laughs) in a different way. But I guess I'm going to settle on, though I'm mad that she kissed Sokka. Oh, I was going to pick her too. (laughs) You can pick the same person. I think we keep picking the same people. Yeah, we do. We do. But continue. Great minds. I'm going to say Suki because she put up with a lot this episode. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that she got Sokka off his bullshit. And she, you know, was like, I'm a woman and a warrior. You have to understand that you can be both. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Mm -hmm. that's true. Yeah. Good for you, girl. That's it. Yes. And I appreciated her sassiness when she took him down that first time. That was great. Oh, and she was so sarcastic to him the whole time, and he didn't notice. No. How do you not realize that she's making fun of you right now? It's a classic man move. True. That was mine, too. All right, Abby? Um, my MVP is the Kyoshi Unagi, because <laughs> I just think that the Unagi was trying to warn the villages of Kyoshi Island, being like, look, there's intruders who are fucking around the lake right now. You guys need to get it together and just make sure that you get them the fuck out of here. And the Unagi used their glands to eradicate all the fires that the Fire Nation brought to their village. So if it was not for this Unagi, all of the Kyoshi Bay would be burned down. So the Unagi is the MVP of my episode. My episode. My my favorite episode so far, guys. Also, that Unagi ate three giant fish yeah! in like a second and then still went after Aang. I was like, why? Yes. Because he's an intruder. <laughs> That's why. All right. They were protecting the bay. Yes. That's true. That's true. Abby did just spell that out. <laughs> and yo, Jen, this is not relevant to the episode, but that one shot when the Unagi comes up and looks at Aang and he's like on its body yeah. and it was looking at him, I got major Digimon vibes from yes. that. Yes. I was like waiting for where Gurumon to come out and like... <laughs> Anyway, that's true. All right. I think honor was not said at all this episode. That's crazy. Yes. We're two episodes down. Wow. Yeah. So I think, is it still two that we have? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think total two. And then is there a memorable line or like moment for you? I said it earlier, but one of my favorite Zuko lines, I was going to save it for later. (laughs) (laughs) Right before he steals the entire fish. How about Abby? Uh, 
For me, the only time I actually laughed was when Zuko in the beginning was like, only interrupt me if you have news about the Avatar. And then the news was, we can't find it. And I was like, why did you interrupt his freaking meditation session? It just That's ties like back Uncle's to- power move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just like never fails to troll Zuko. So I think that was my favorite moment of the episode. <laughs> It was so not needed, that interruption, seriously. Nicole. Watching Suki uh, beat beat Sokka up was pretty cool. Yeah, that's fair. I say my favorite moment is filming Mouth Guy, because it's just a fine piece of animation. (laughs) I thought of one. When the guy is painting Aang. Oh, that was so funny! (laughs) That was really funny. His muttering really made that entire scene. He was like, oh, oh, there's another one. Oh, oh, there's more. Oh. Disappointed face. <laughs> also, his drawing was not very good either. And I'm like, who commissioned you to do this? <laughs> this is an unrecognizable portrait that you're drawing of this person. <sighs> All right. I think that's it. Cool. Yes. I think right. so. This was Pod Sing Say, an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast. Thank you all so much for listening, and join us next week when we discuss Avatar The Last Airbender Episode 5, The King of Omashu. See ya!